This is the Health Rebels podcast hosted by me, Steve Hicks. I have over a decade of experience as a personal trainer. And during that time, I have watched the smartest fitness advice fail people because we keep thinking that health and fitness is an individual's problem. The reality is there are forces all around us that are constantly pushing us to a default of being unhealthy and unhappy. To become truly healthy and happy, we have to rebel against those forces. So if you're ready to steal back control over your health and happiness, join me as we strip away the nonsense and show you the simple, healthy habits that will transform you into a health rebel. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back, Rebel. In the last episode yesterday, we were talking about the Rebel's Oath, right? And that's the five components. There's five components. There's five parts to the Rebel Oath. It's reject extremisms, energize yourself through healthy habits, break free from ordinary standards, excite yourself about your potential, and love yourself and act accordingly. And again, that Rebel Oath is kind of what we use to select healthy habits for ourselves and create a shield around unhealthy habits that get promoted by really the the entirety of the misinformation that we see in media and social media and all around us. Um, And what I want to do today is I want to go more in-depth about the first part of that Rebel Oath. I want to go and talk more about reject extremisms and why why I put that into the rebel oath, why I'm so adamant about that. And look, let's be honest, it needs to be said. It needs to be said because if we're honest, especially in nutrition, we have a natural predisposition to go as extreme as possible. It's it's almost like a religious fascination we have. Like we have to be flagellants or or like monastic in our self-deprivation, right? It's almost, it's almost like a dirty holdover from our puritanical foundings here in America. You know, the, the Puritans were, you know, they were, they were kind of overzealous killjoys and they thought everything was a sin. So they were, they were overzealous, over-the-top killjoys and they ended up kind of getting kicked out of Europe and they came to America and they taught everyone else to be an overzealous killjoy. And look, we're still being impacted by those overbearing killjoys who feared pleasure and happiness. It's, it's almost like sugar is a stand-in for Satan or something, right? And so we, we vilify and we have these extreme restrictions or these, these extreme self-flagellations and Really, I don't think it's productive. I don't think it's helpful, and it sure as hell is not healthy. And look, I talked about that a lot with nutrition already, but we also fall into extremisms with fitness too. I mean, hell, one of the most popular home workout programs was P90X, and the X literally stood for extreme. What ended up replacing P90X was the insanity program, right? We we just like to dive in too hard. And, you know, outside of those home programs, we've also seen people who spend hours at the gym fighting their bodies. And if you take a 3,000 foot look at common workout trends, like we can, like, look at the glorified leg day workouts, right? Afterwards, many people struggle to sit on the toilet the next day because their legs hurt so bad. I mean, that sounds like extreme punishment, doesn't it? If you can't even sit on the toilet and stand up, 
without tremendous pain. Like that's too much. But we glorify it because of holdovers from bodybuilding and the ego trips associated with that population. And we put that on everybody. And the fact is, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. And the fact is we have a natural proclivity to extremisms and fitness and nutrition often embraces and exaggerates that tendency. So I'm here to tell you not to do that, to reject extremisms. And there's a few reasons why. There's a few reasons why extremisms are counterproductive to your health, your results, and your overall wellness. The first big one is I am a huge proponent and a huge advocate of stress management. I think a lot of our health can really be defined and determined by considering the balance between stress and relaxation. I honestly think most people don't have enough downtime, enough relaxation, and they're just kind of always stimulating and, and running and, and creating this stressful environment inside their body, right? And I think even... Even in workouts, we can kind of see this, right? In workouts, we've long had this idea called GAS, General Adaptation Syndrome. And the general idea of this is shortly following a bout of exercise, your performance ability is going to decrease, right? You're fatigued, you're tired, you're neurologically tired, um, so your, your nervous system isn't firing as well, your motor pro programs are just wore out. There's this short-term impairment on performance after exercise. But after digging that small hole, the body is supposed to respond and overcompensate and build up beyond what previous levels were so that it's better able to respond to that stimulus in the future. And that overcompensation, that supercompensation, ends up being what makes people have improvements. My ideas are that a lot of people tend to, instead of getting that small hole initially with their exercise programs, they tend to go too harsh and they build this big hole that they just never have enough time to, to climb out of. So instead of getting to that adaptation phase, they're just always stuck in that hole, right? Because we're going too hard, because we're crushing ourselves, because we're imbalanced stress versus relaxation, we're always digging a hole and getting worse rather than recovering and repairing and relaxing and overcompensating and getting those healthy adaptations. And look, if I use the word cortisol to you, this is not going to be the first time you've heard that, right? The stress hormone. Stress, extremisms, and stress alter the hormonal state in the body. It alters our cellular health. And so the things that we do that we're hoping to get healthy adaptations from, to get positive adaptations from, we just have an altered chemical state within our body. And in that chemical environment due to stress, we're not able to make the adaptations that we've been signaling. We're not able to actually make productive outcomes from our workouts, from our nutrition, from everything else that we do in our healthy habits. If we are embracing extremisms, we're cutting ourselves down, altering our cellular health, and impairing our ability to respond to stimuli. With nutrition, I found a lot of extremisms also have some very negative impacts on the human body. I think that uh, when we get extreme with restrictions in our, in our nutrition, when we get extreme with restrictions in nutrition, we tend to impair the microbiome. 
For those that don't know, the microbiome is kind of a colony of microorganisms that live within your gut, right? They facilitate a lot of healthy actions in the body. They help us with digestion. They help break down a lot of foods that our body is unable to by itself. It's, it's a very positive symbiotic relationship, but when we get restrictive with nutrition, we oftentimes kind of starve certain populations within that colony. We will starve out some microorganisms that help us. And what ends up happening is because those microorganisms, they give us some, they give us some vitamins, they give us short chain fatty acids, they give us positive vitamins and minerals in that digestive process. When we starve them and choke them out and, and force essentially microorganism genocide within our gut, we no longer have those helpers to assist us and to give us those healthful impact. So when we get restrictive on our nutrition, we end up starving microbiome that ends up starving our own body of health and nutrients. I also believe extremisms in nutrition is what's responsible for the growth in food intolerances. There are, I mean, if you look around, I'm sure you can think about a ton of friends and family members that can't eat this or can't eat that, or they get stomach aches when they eat this food, or they, they get stomach aches when they eat that food. And what I think is going on is part of that microbiome conversation, but there are also enzymes in the body that help break down certain foods. One of the most common um, food intolerances is, is lactose intolerance, right? We all know people that can't have dairy products because they get tremendously gassy and blah, 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 and, and, and really uncomfortable. The human body really struggles to break down lactose. Um, it's a sugar found in dairy products, and it just takes a long time for our stomach acids to break that down. It takes a very long time, and so the body produces an enzyme called lactase, uh, that helps facilitate breaking down the, the lactose into smaller parts so that it's easier for us to digest. Now, in normal, in, in like the, the caveman era, human bodies will produce a lot of lactase when they're infants and newborns because we get a lot of lactose from nursing with our mothers, with, with mother's breast milk. We'll get a we'll get a lot of um, exposure to milk, so we produce a lot of lactase to, to break that down and to digest that. Now, as we get weaned off the nursing, before agriculture, we didn't really have a lot of exposure to milk products. So we didn't have a lot of need for lactase. We didn't have need to break down milk sugar because we didn't have milk. So the body will slowly stop producing the enzyme that breaks down milk sugar because it's not necessary. It's a waste of resources. It's a waste of time. If you're not going to use it, you lose it. And what we're finding is that with similar food substrates, there are other enzymes that the body produces. And when we restrict our bodies from having that type of food for a extended duration of time, the body gets the message that that enzyme is no longer needed, that we're not having that food product, so we no longer need to be able to digest that food product, and it will just take that away, right? And I think this is a big problem for the modern gluten intolerances, is what I have found is a lot of people that will eat a lot of bread products, eat a lot of grains, a lot of pastas and stuff, when they go on the keto diet, which is zero grains, zero gr gluten, um, 
when they go on that for an extended amount of time and then they get grain products afterwards, they're no longer able to consume them. It now starts to cause a lot of irritation. It now causes a lot of indigestion. And what I think, and I don't have the empiricism to validate this, this is a suspicion based on observations right now. Um, but what often happens, I think, is when we eliminate foods from our food, from our regular consumption, the body assumes that that food is gone. We no longer need it, it's use it or lose it, so we stop producing the enzymes and then we stop being able to digest food that gives us nutrients, that gives us healthful benefits, and we stop being able to benefit from that because of restrictions. Another really great example of restrictions impairing our health and nutrition is I just saw on Alan, uh, Alan Aragon's Facebook post, he shared, a, he shared a post from somebody in a carnivore group. In the carnivore group, this, this person was complaining about bleeding gums. They had, they had receding gum lines and they had bleeding gums and they shared a photo of their, their gum line and there was a lot of irritation there. And the person had shared that they had been on the carnivore diet for over three years now and was wondering what was going on. And Alan had commented that with the carnivore diet, without fruits and vegetables, you've got a really low intake of vitamin C. And that can lead to scurvy-like symptoms or scurvy, which is a degradation of connective tissue due to a deficiency in vitamin C. And if you want to be on the carnivore diet, you could probably get a sufficient amount of vitamin C if you ate a lot of uh, animal liver every day, either chicken liver or beef liver. But if you do that, you run the risk of vitamin A toxicity, um, which then shuts down your liver and that's not good. So what you end up finding is that in a lot of diets, because there are restrictions, we're losing access to nutrients and our body will eventually run out of that substance and, you know, starts to break down. And that's not a good thing. Or... If you're only eating certain types of food, there is that, that propensity to not only have a deficiency, but that risk of having a toxicity, of an overconsumption of a particular vitamin or mineral. And look, there was some great, there was some great data put out by my buddy Brad Dieter of Macros Inc. Um, and he shared commercially available diets in their, their RDA allotments. RDA is from the FDA, from the, uh, or no, is it USDA? I think it's from USDA. Um, but it's the amount of particular vitamins and minerals that you're supposed to have. We've all seen this on nutrition label, the, the daily value percentage. What they did was they analyzed some commercially available diets, things like the South Beach diet, Atkins, Paleo, stuff like that. And they looked at how, how much percentage of ideal nutrition it got. And the best, the best was only 46% of your um, essential nutrition. The worst was the South Beach diet. And it had like 23% of your RDA allotment for stuff. And that's, that's disgustingly malnutritious. Um, a, lot of, a lot of diets, because of the restrictions, lead themselves into malnutrition. So extremisms, cutting stuff out, it sets you up for a stressful biology. It sets you up for malnutrition with your food intake. It sets you up for cellular destruction with overwork on workouts. And it's really like, it's contrary to the goal of lifelong health. The goal 
of lifelong health is doing things that are good for your body, is to serve your body, to, to optimize the functions of the body so that we can respond to life situations in a healthy and happy and meaningful way. The goal with lifelong health and sustainable goals is to work with the body, not to go to war against it. We want to nudge the body and befriend it. We don't want to raise it with extremisms. We don't want to, we don't want to rape and pillage. That is awful. That's not how the body's going to be happy to work with you. If you work against your body, your body's going to work against you. But if you work with your body, the body will cooperate. The body will work with you and you'll get those healthy adaptations and you'll get to your goals and you'll be able to sustain them. So the first part of the rebel oath is to reject extremisms, even though health and fitness, fitness and nutrition especially, they have tendencies to embrace and exaggerate extremisms, but we need to reject extremisms so that we can work on our health, our true health, our wellness and sustainable lifelong healthy habits. So that is the very first part of the health rebel oath. That is reject extremisms. And that is, you know, the first of five parts to the health rebel oath. So that's all I got for you today. That is rejecting extremisms. That's doing things that work in concert with your body for your body. And the last thing I got for you today, you know what it's going to be rebel. Keep the oath. And I'll see you tomorrow as we talk about energizing yourself through healthy habits. Have a great day and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Keep the oath. Hey, thanks for listening to that episode of the Health Rebels podcast. Before you run off, I want to let you know about a free resource available for you. I do have a free Facebook community where I do daily live chats with other health rebels, provide more information, host group challenges, provide support, and just generally try to put more positivity on your newsfeed instead of the typically toxic political hate that we get surrounded by already. If you're not already in the Health Rebels Training Camp Facebook group, I'll tell you what, I'll sweeten the deal. When you join the Facebook group, I'll send you a free digital copy of my Health Rebels Pocketbook Guide. This little book highlights some of the hidden forces that have conspired against our health and happiness and gives you two powerful tools to fight back. You can join the Health Rebels Training Camp group by visiting www.facebook.com slash groups slash health rebels. That's an S after both groups and health rebels. Or by checking out the show notes, you can also search on Facebook for Health Rebels Training Camp. I hope to see you inside.